0: today
1: hey friends and welcome to the happy Art jamie ivy podcast i'm your host jamie and i'm so excited that you're here Every week I invite a girlfriend to join me on the show and we chat about the big things in life, the little things in life, and everything in between. Before we get going, I want to thank today's sponsor and that is author Stephanie Mae Wilson with her Friendship Small Group Guide, The Real Girl's Guide to Taking It All Off. One of the things I'm asked about most is my group of best friends. How do we find each other and get so close? And I get it. Finding time to spend with girlfriends is hard. And even when we can, many of us don't have a group of best friends and there's no blueprint for how to form one. Until now, After moving to a new city, Stephanie was struggling with this herself when she had an idea. She wrote out a list of questions that would help the group get to know each other and invited new friends over for a girls' night. That night, they laughed, they cried, and they spoke God's truth into tender areas of each other's lives. And before they knew it, strangers became friends and friends became best friends. Those questions became the six-week small group guide that has achieved the same friendships in communities all over the country. Whether you're looking to connect with old friends, to go deeper with new friends, or for the next study for your small group, our lives are so much richer when we have best friends to share them with. And this guide is the perfect way to get there. Right now, Happy Hour listeners can download the first chapter for free. Just go to StephanieMayWilson.com/slash the happy hour to get your copy today. Guys, you're listening to episode number 123, and my guest is Lisa Bevere. Lisa is wife to John, she's a mom to four. She's a minister and a New York Times bestselling author, and she's co-founder of Messenger International. Today, we chat about the hilarious way that she found out about Jesus, plus marriage, some ways that she's intentional with her husband. We talk about grandmothering, which in a weird way, I can't wait to be a grandma, even though I still have young children, and why she's passionate about the next generation knowing God. Guys, if you want to send us a message during the show while you're listening or anything about the show. We'd both love to hear from you. On Twitter, I'm at Jamie underscore Ivy and Lisa is at Lisa Bevere. Of course, my favorite social media is Instagram and I'm just at Jamie Ivy over there. Hey guys, before we get to Lisa, if you're loving the show, I would love it if you subscribed. That way, every single Wednesday when we put out a brand new show, it automatically shows up for you to listen to. It's super easy to do that. Go to jamieivy.com slash iTunes. Okay, friends, here is my conversation with Lisa. Hey, Lisa, welcome to the happy hour. Hey, I'm thrilled to be part of this. I'm so happy that you're here. And I have been checking out your new book and following you on Instagram. I love when I um, have guests coming on that I've never met in real life person before, like you and I have never met. I love to get on their Instagram and start Instagram stalking them for months. And I have really enjoyed following along your journey um, with all the places you've been traveling recently and new grandbabies and it's been a joy getting to know you there so i'm happy to get to know you today yeah and i mean i've just heard amazing things about you one of my sons was like oh my
2: gosh are you on with Jamie Ivy today she's amazing so oh, i think so somebody's sweet. been
1: stalking you as well well thank you i um am loving doing this podcast and it's such a joy because the reason i started lisa is because i wanted to create some kind of outlet um where i could bring other women on the show who I knew could do what I love to do. And that is to encourage and inspire women. And so I always love the show. And I'm like, Oh, Jamie has this great show. But I also have amazing women that join me every single week that make the show unbelievable. So I'm happy to add you to the list of amazing guests on the show. Well, thank you. Because I think you love encouraging and inspiring women as well. (laughs) I do what I've seen that's kind of right in your lane. (laughs) Um, You talk a lot. I'm just going to dive right in here because I have a lot of things I want to talk about. I want to talk about grandparenting I want to talk about raising boys because I have three boys um and a daughter but you have four sons I have three boys so I want to talk about that I want to talk about your book all kinds of things but I want to jump in and just ask you something that I'm passionate about and that I know that you are as well and that is looking at the generation of women that are coming up or the same generation that we in, we're in just looking at women and encouraging them to do what they've been created to do has that always been a passion of yours or is this something that kind of God has developed over the years?
2: No, it's actually always been the passion for me. When I got born again at 21, I really actually, Jamie, it it was like a a chapter of confusion closed on my life. And I said, oh my gosh, this is why I've been created. I have been created for God. Hmm. And I, I know that sounds really simplistic, but what happened, I was like, had this revelation. I have been created for God. This is, this is why I couldn't figure out what I wanted to do at the U of A. This is why. And then I came into the church and I kind of expected everybody to be waiting for me. Like, yay, we have a (laughs) 21 year old girl. She's here. Come on in. We're going to help you figure this out. But instead they were like, wait a minute are your ears double pierced? That's, oh, demonic. No. <laughs> That's demonic. Wait, wait, wait. Are you wearing a bra? What's going on? I mean, they were so uh, conflicted by the way I looked that they actually couldn't see who I might be. And so I was looking for this woman to see me, to surround me with blessing and encouragement and boundaries and strength and say, girl, we got you. We've been watching a wave. We've been calling you out of a kingdom of darkness into a kingdom of light. Here you are. And what I found was the women almost despised me because I was young. And then the men didn't know what to do with me. So then it kind of became this thing of, okay, once you get married, you'll have a covering. And once you have this covering, we'll be able to figure it out. But then that also became a problem. So when I was, you know, very early on, I was like, what is the advantage of being a Christian woman? What is the advantage of having a mind that's renewed and seriously being empowered with the same spirit that raised Christ from the grave? If all I'm supposed to do is be quiet and be nice and be safe. And my half Sicilian part Arab personality did not like that. I was like, no, I was not created for safe. I was not created for tame. And so, you know, my husband and I started having children, like we just went crazy. And I just was like, okay, here's here's all these kids. And so I kind of felt like my children let me opt out. But then in between my third and my fourth son, Jamie, God began to talk to me and said, you've come into the kingdom for such a time as this. And you have questions and the questions you have are the same questions other women have. And he had taken me on a journey from debilitating fear to freedom. Mm. And he said, you're going to take other women on that journey. So at 34, I wrote my first book. It was called Out of Control and Loving It. I kind of felt like it was the breastfeeding, sleep deprived rantings (laughs) of, (laughs) uh, of an out of control mother. But it ended up hitting such a chord that it propelled uh, me into this this world of telling women, you know, God has a plan for your life, and it's not to be safe, and it's not to be tame, and it's not to be hidden, and you need to face what you fear so you can become fearless. Mm.
1: That is such a scary thought, to face what we fear so we can become fearless. I want to come back to this, but I have a question because I'm always, I love to hear about when people started following Jesus. Did you grow up in a Christian home? No.
2: I grew up in an amazingly dysfunctional family. We were doing dysfunction long before the Kardashians (laughs) figured out how to make money with it. I mean, we, my grandmother was married four times. Okay. I mean, we're talking about a family in West Lafayette, Indiana, where it's like, you know, white Anglo-Saxon Protestant behave well people. My grandmother's married four times. Her last husband was one of the developers of the man. He was on the Manhattan Project. So one of the developers of the atom bomb serial adulterer. My my father was a serial adulterer. My parents were divorced, remarried, divorced again. I did not have even the knowledge of one scripture when I got born again. So I actually thought cleanliness is next to godliness was a scripture. That was the only thing that I knew. And actually the night I got born again, Jamie, I spent that night, Trying to find the book of Paul because I had this white <laughs> Bible in my room and John had said, Paul said this and right. Paul said that. And I was like, oh my gosh, where is
0: this book of Paul? I can't <laughs> where is <it."> Paul? <laughs>
2: yeah, yeah, I was having a hard time. Oh my you know, gosh. Foreign Corinthians, Ephesians. Yes. I mean, I imagine no Christian frame of reference and trying to navigate these words that don't even make sense. And so. Um, but you also
1: didn't bring baggage that some of us bring. Uh, to the I
2: didn't table It's just baggage that's what i, I mean <laughs> that's what i meant yes yeah. i brought i brought uh, promiscuity yeah. and alcoholism and uh-huh. all those wonderful yeah. things yeah yes uh, so who told you about um Jesus well this is illegal I'm just gonna do a preference but right, my right. husband my husband actually was a he was like an all-campus bible study leader at purdue and I found myself just so despondent. I kept thinking there's got to be more. I was home for summer school because I'd partied too much at the University of Arizona. So I was home for summer school to make up some of my um, suntanning majors. And I was <laughs> like, all right, I, there's got to be more. There's got to be more. And finally, someone said, if you really want to know about more, you need to talk to this guy named John Bevere. So I came up to him and I was like, hey, um, listen. I, I heard you're like a big Christian or something and I have some questions. And he was like, Hey, you know, if you're really serious about this, you can call me next week. I'm leaving to go out of town for the 4th of July. Just give me a call next week. And I didn't because back then girls didn't call boys. Yeah. and so I didn't call him. And he called me because he actually had a major crush on me, but I didn't know that. Right. And uh, possibly because I went down to breakfast in a bikini top and cut off shorts. It's <laughs> quite, quite I might have incited the spirit of lust anyway. So um, he invited me to this Bible study picnic. Now you need to picture 1981, the awfulness of the music. Okay. I mean, people are singing. I got the joy, 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 joy Mm -hmm. down in my heart. Oh, this is a church picnic. No. Yeah. It was, it was kind of like a Bible study. Okay. Got it. Got it. Yeah. So people are in a circle and they're singing. I got the joy, 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 joy. And some people have their hands up, which to me was like, wait, do you have a question? Like, why is your hand up in the air? I don't, I don't understand what's happening here. And so I didn't know where to look. I was felt so awkward. Some of the Christian girls were mad that I was there. So they were saying things to me like, we're praying for you. But they sounded angry. I was like, why are they angry praying for me? And I looked down at this one song that we were getting ready to sing. And it was a song called The Robes of Righteousness. And it said, when God would look at me, he would no longer see me. He would see Jesus. And Jamie, Mm. God used that line. And he whispered into my heart, I can't look at you. You need a covering. And I turned to John and I said, is this true? And he said, is what true? I said, is it true that God could ever look at me and not see me, not see all of my sin, all of my shame, all of my regret? And he said, of course, And so that night, John walked me around on the Purdue campus. We sat on a bench. He preached to me from Genesis to Revelations. I began to flashback to a very awkward 70s movie called Thief in the Night, where people get their heads cut off. I began to (laughs) panic that this guy was going to disappear in the rapture thing, and I'd be left on the bench not knowing how to get saved. So I finally just like, what must I do to get saved? And so on my first date with John, I was born again. And then he said, there's also the inflowing of the Holy Spirit. And I was like, sure. And he said, now you're saved. And I said, what does that mean? And he said, it means you're whole again, spirit, soul, and body. And Jamie, I just in a childlike faith mom, I said, so I don't have to have lactose intolerance anymore? He was like, what? <laughs> and I said, you just said I could eat cheese. He said, I did not say that. I was like, yeah, you just said I was going to be whole, spirit, soul, and body, and I can't eat cheese, and I want to eat dairy products. And so- Panic. I can only imagine his, imagine his panic. Now he grabbed my hand. He was like, "God, if you can save her, you can heal her." <laughs> and I felt all of the knots that had been in my stomach since I was fifteen untie, and so uh, I got completely healed. So it was just this. Oh my gosh! I know. Crazy.
1: So yeah. you're this like curious girl who finds this boy that everyone says Curse. you need He's, to talk yeah. to. He shares <laughs> Jesus with you. And not only that, but it is so interesting, like it is so true what God says, that like, like the ears cannot understand when they don't know. And then all of a sudden, God opened up your ears and your eyes to see, because that verse that you read to me, that sounds kind of foolish to people like who right. don't know Jesus. Right. right? right. And Absolutely. God opened up your eyes to see that. That is a really cool story. Lisa, I love it.
2: Yeah. I mean, it was a radical transformation. And, um, that was it. I mean, I, I woke up the next morning and God said to me, the man you were with last night is your husband. I've called you to be the wife of a minister. And I was like, really? <laughs> I mean, I, I love my husband, but at the time he was a nerdy little engineering tennis player. And I did it like rugby players. I was like, okay, that's a skinny little guy, but right. okay. You know, God, I, I kind of have this feeling that I pick bad men. And if that's what you want for me, mm. I'll just see what happens in a year and a half later, we did get married.
1: So you started dating right after that?
2: Well, we only knew each other for two weeks because, and so he basically went intensive on, you need to, okay, now this is how old we are. You need to listen to these cassette tapes. Mm -hmm. You need to read your Bible out loud. I mean, he's discipling
1: you you on what you need to do. Like, come on, let's go, Lisa. He would write me five page letters every
2: single day when I was at college at University of Arizona. The man lived on potatoes, so I could call him crying every time, you know, a crisis happened. And yeah, so it was, he really did disciple me from dis long distance. Mm-hmm. And then when I got back to the University of Arizona, I got involved with Campus Crusade.
1: Mm, I love and, that ministry. Uh,
2: yeah. And then, um, you know, was real active with them. And uh yeah, so it was kind of this, you know, I just, I was all, I was all in the world. And then it was all in with God.
1: Mm. And then
2: I moved to Dallas. We got married in October of 1982, which means I had been married for 34 years. Yes, you can is teach me a few things. Oh, a you know, sense of humor. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah, 34 years. And he is, he is my best friend and my greatest catalyst of my remaking, Mm. (laughs) you know, in, in, in the ways that we are two very strong people. Mm. Uh, So it's, it's been, it's been a wild, wide, wide and an adventure.
0: I
1: love, I love stories like that so much because my husband and I kind of have a similar story, um, but we met and I was very wild and crazy and living just for myself. Although I grew up in a Christian home, so I knew all the right things. Um, But I, didn't know Jesus for sure, because I was just doing whatever I wanted to do. Um, And so he kind of saw that transformation in me. And in fact, Lisa, when we started dating, he had a pastor tell him, you need to be careful with her. And I don't know if that's a good idea. And then, no, they, they told John, I had a seducing spirit. I totally,
2: I totally, I I, I was like, I probably did. I If one of my boys brought home me, in the bikini top with the slit uh, cut off shorts that had no underwear on with, <laughs> up to the waist. I would be like, OK, we need to
1: we need to, we talk. Need to talk. We need to talk. Oh, <laughs> aren't we so thankful that God knows what he's doing, even when our husband like people tell them, watch out for these women. And then 34 years later and we're 16 years later, you know, we're doing just great.
2: Yeah, it was, you know, and and that was the funny thing. And, you know, my my beautiful daughter-in-law is kind of a similar testimony So she was dressed more appropriately, but she she was in a a kind of a similar situation of you, you know, Mm -hmm. had been raised Christian, but her parents were divorced twice and her dad was an alcoholic and we, you know, it was just a a lot of brokenness. And my son was like, Oh, we know how to love women like you. <laughs> this, is my mom, this is who my mom was.
1: <laughs> so. Oh, that is the best. That is the best. Okay, speak. If you don't know it, guys, I'm a Texas girl through and through. I've lived here most of my life. I was born here. And I love traveling. Here's why I love traveling throughout Texas, because it has a vast landscape of cultures, regions, destinations and activities, which means there's an infinite number of different travel experiences.
0: If you don't have Consumer Cellular yet, now is the perfect time to switch and save. For a limited time, new customers can get wireless service for as low as $15 a month for your first year. Yep, the same exact nationwide coverage as the leading carriers for $15 a month for an entire year. What are you waiting for? Call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com and use code RADIO15.
1: See ConsumerCellular.com slash FirstYear15 for promotional details. Speaking of sons, you have raised four boys. Are they all out of the house by now? Okay. So
2: let me just be clear with this. We're Italians. So that should kind of explain what I'm going to say. First of all, John and I don't really live here. I mean, we visit. I don't, I was gone. I want to say 40 days, 40 days. I I did this ridiculous amount of travel time where I didn't see my husband except for like a little break in between. So my oldest son is 30 Uh and he is married and he's the father of four Boys. Okay. My youngest son just got back from doing internship in Hillsong. Uh, not internship. I'm sorry. Bible college uh, uh-huh. for a year. Then so I have two boys that live at home, but that's like a favor for us because uh-huh. because they house it. Okay. <laughs> and, yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it, you know, and we're we're all about um, people should go from family to family.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: That's the way we look at it, and our boys are respectful and they pay rent. And they take care of it. If any of that changes, then, you know, that's, that's going to look different. Yeah. We just feel like too many people um, don't understand the value of a family and b giving your kids a strong start so that they have money.
1: Mm. So they live with you. Did you, did you do that same practice at your house before you moved out? Kidding no no My because you, you had dysfunction <laughs> going on
2: yes exactly it was abuse. there's no way i was gonna stay I, yeah no, no i there... moved
1: i moved back home after two years in college and then lived at home with my parents until i got married um yeah. and we always we have we have four kids as well and none of them are anywhere close to moving out our oldest is 13 but i tell my kids all the time i'm like listen if you need like a place to kind of get your feet back under you or live at home while you go to college, you're more than welcome to, you know, and then eventually right.
2: and, and that's what we did. Too. Eventually you can fly. Yeah. And Addison and Julie, I remember they, um, they moved into an apartment when they first were married and then they wanted to buy a house. And I think they moved in with us for three months, uh, just lived in our basement mm-hmm. and we loved it. It gave us a chance to get to know Julie and then they moved out and had their house. And, you know, it's just, I mean, for us, we actually really enjoy each other. So all four of my sons work with us at messenger international. Mm. So all of them work and we just, you know, I mean, I, I basically see my sons when I'm home, maybe a maximum of two hours a day. Yeah. Yeah. I see him for maybe 15 minutes in the morning. Right. Dinner. Yeah. And if we're playing a game, maybe a little bit longer, but they're, you know, they've got their own life with their friends. They're working out,
1: you know, they're super handsome. They are, three of them are single. I encourage Instagram stalking. I really do. I know because I have a lot of young young women listening to the show, and they need to go check out your family picture on Instagram because you got some cute looking boys. Yes, and they're single.
2: Mm. So please help me. And they love Jesus. They love Jesus with all of their heart. This is this this is
1: this is the kind of guy these women need to look for.
2: Yeah, seriously, and and uh, so our. 27 year old, he is over our marketing and media. And, and to be honest with you, just graduated summa cum laude, super smart. Mm -hmm. And then my third son, he's over our kind of, um, streaming video stuff. He works in the creative department. He's not over video, but he's part of that. Uh And then our youngest son has just an incredible passion for youth. He just got back from India. He was in two cities in India, distributing our resources free of charge to pastors over there, preaching at a youth conference. So yeah, they're all on fire for God. It's really, you know, Jamie, it seems to be really hard for godly young men and godly young women to connect nowadays. I don't even know what that is. What is it?
1: It is crazy.
2: I don't know. I'm I'm starting to believe we should resurrect arranged marriages. Right?
1: <laughs> like, your woman looks good for my man. Let's put them together and mm-hmm. let them do what they need to do. Um, I know. I have several um godly godly single women. And I'm like begging God, um, you know, if it's in his will and it, that's what he wants to bring them a godly husband that loves Jesus. Um, but I also think we live in this really really hard day and age. Um, And I talk about this a lot and it's not going away, but the internet just makes things a little bit more difficult. Sometimes I think, um, and I'm just glad that I'm not back and having to do that dating um, online dating and stuff because it, yeah, I think it's really retarded
2: people's ability to connect in relationships. Mm, Yeah. It's hard. Yeah. There's virtual conversations, uh virtual relationships and not actual. I mean, I, I do see even among Christian ministers. I mean, it's interesting. You'll see people, spend time and effort and care on their virtual relationships instagram facebook twitter blogs and then their marriages fall apart mm, yeah and they you know they scream foul but the truth is i see how much time they're spending outside of their household mm-hmm. and the truth is yeah There's some trolls on Facebook, but the majority of the people are going to say, oh, you're so smart, Jamie. Oh, you're so amazing. But they're not living with you.
1: Exactly. Exactly.
2: Life with the people you live with.
1: Yes. Yes. How do you, you and John both live very full lives. And you just said, I know you've been on um, a tour this fall and you've been overseas and you've been traveling a lot. You released a new book. How do you guys stay connected in the midst of that full life?
2: Well, first and foremost, intentionality. You know, for it's not going to happen unless we make it happen. And then seasons. I mean, we we sometimes sit down and say, "Hey, guess what? I put a crazy schedule together. It sounded really good on paper. Mm -hmm. Now I just realized I'm not going to see you for 40 (laughs) days. Right? I need to I need to find a little three days here where we can be together. And so I we had to actually reroute me, and I met up with my husband. In Florida for three days. And so, you know, we have actually had this rhythm, Jamie, since my second son was about six months old. Mm-hmm. My husband's been traveling. And so God's grace is on our family to do it, but we're fully in and then fully out. Yeah. So, you know, when we're home, we're home. Mm-hmm. We don't go out to eat. We eat at the table. We spend time with our kids. Um, we're very engaged as much as they want to be. Uh, with our families, you know, we're going to make ourselves available. If they're like, hey, that's great. You guys are home. We're not dropping everything because you're home. Then we're going to be, you know, with one another. John Mm -hmm. and I do a lot of lunchtime dates. We also believe in daytime sex because that's (laughs) when everybody is gone. There you go. Yeah. No one's walking in. No. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) But I mean, you need to make your your marriage a priority. And we just found out, hey, this isn't going to happen by accident. yeah, yeah, and, and then, you know, we have the blessing of we're building something together. We're very different. John and I have very different ministry styles, but same heart, mm-hmm. same heart. And so, you know, we, we just have a lot of conversation and connection around things that, you know, we were building and then also our, our relationship. And there's, you know, there's a lot of people that think you need to separate it all. I'm not so sure that's true. So we are kind of a, a blessed blur and it works for us, mm-hmm. you know, but, um, again, that's, that's our domain. That's what our home looks like. Yeah. And uh, we're a big believer that everybody should build according to the God's purpose on their life and, and their desires. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. I don't think you should tell somebody that a godly household looks like the man works and the woman stays home. Right. Uh, I think that, that that couple gets to make that decision mm-hmm. on what it looks like. And then I also think it depends on the season you're yeah, in. Yeah, totally. Because I did stay home when my kids were little. Yeah. And that's I wrote books so the books mm-hmm. could travel. I could stay home.
1: Yeah. Uh, when I when we had all my kids are in school now, but when they were all at home, um, what, were, what worked best for our family was to me to be stay, staying home with them. And now that they're all at school, you know, I work. um full time but it's from my house still my office is at my house I don't know if it's Mm -hmm. like y'all but still I have this I have more of an outlet in a different way because it works better for our family like that I love my favorite thing that you said so about the marriage was intentionality that you talked about you and John have and Aaron and I my husband and I both have pretty full lives as well and our ministries are um, separate a little bit Uh, and so being intentional with each other I think you just nailed it right there is something that is so important um, especially in different seasons when Um, I'm tired or we're having some hard parenting times right now. And so being intentional with Aaron sometimes could fall to the bottom of the pile because I just know he's going to be there. Right. But then what happens is three years later, I look up and I don't even know who this man is. He's just he's still here, but he's not really here, if that makes sense. And so we have really, really wanted to in our marriage, the same way that you're talking about is just be intentional with each other. And it looks different all the time.
2: Well, you know, being married 34 years, we have done a lot of things right by accident and a lot of things wrong on purpose. Mm. I mean, you're like <laughs> mad at each other. you yeah. like, that's it. Yes. You know, it's so a week. We can look back. And one of the things that we do, like a lot, you know, there's, there's definitely a place for the date night where it's an escape. Like, let's just run away. Let's run away and remember that we're married and let's go to a movie and let's go to dinner. But there's also a, a desperate need For beginning with the end in mind. And that's what God does. And so, one of the things John and I did correct by accident, Jamie, is we wrote where we wanted to land. So, we said, What kind of house do we want to have? What kind of marriage do we want to have? And it can change in the different seasons, but there were certain principles that we built into our lives. Even how we purchased our houses, we wanted our house to be a place where all of our boys' friends could congregate. Right, yeah. We didn't care whether it was fancy. We wanted our house to be a place that would be loud with laughter and and filled with pasta. Mm -hmm. I mean, we wanted our house to be a central place. So, because I was raised with an alcoholic father and I never, ever brought my friends to my house. Mm. It was terrifying. It was unsafe, yeah. Yeah, you didn't know what was going to happen. So, and my mother was stressed because of that. And so, so that was something that we did, and and choosing to have you know uh, a place that's ours. So we actually have two chairs in our bedroom, and when John and I sit in these chairs, we know no yelling, no attacking. We this is our dream chairs. This is where we talk. Now, if I'm upset or he's upset, this is where we're going to go when we say we're ready to be constructive and attack the problem, not each other. Mm. And we have this place and it's just because we don't want to bring strife in our bedroom. This is the place we sit and we just know. And if one of us gets up out of the chair, the other one doesn't chase the other one down. It just means, hey, this is getting too heated. I'm going to need to calm down. I'm, you know, half Sicilian. My husband is uh, 60% Italian. So we, and he's Dutch and Irish. I mean, we're talking about very big, passionate people, everything (laughs) feels big, nothing feels small, nothing. Right. So, you know, we have to be people who are intentional to say, we're going to have to tone it down, take it from a 10 to a two. Right. And, um, you know, and just let's talk to each other as though we're allies instead of enemies.
1: Mm, I love it. That's going to, that's going to minister to women listening. So good. Okay, guys, before we get back to my conversation with Lisa, which I know that you're loving, I want to tell you about PrepDish. PrepDish is a sponsor and a partner with Happy Hour. And right now they're having a huge sale for 50% off in January only. Go to PrepDish.com slash happyhourflashsale. It all needs to be in lowercase, and this is only for January. PrepDish is a service for women, well, men too, but, you know, I'm speaking to you ladies. PrepDish is a service for us that helps us Save time, save stress, make life easier, be more organized. Especially for mamas like me, this is great for me to know that each week I can get healthy meals on the table for my kids. That I spend really a couple hours one day preparing and then the rest of the week my meals are ready. The chef Allison at Prep Dish creates a meal for you every single week. She sends you the ingredients you need to buy, she sends you the steps for prepping it, and then you do the work and then the rest of the week your meals are ready. Guys, we love Prep Dish. Go to PrepDish.com slash happyhourflashsale. Okay, here is the rest of my conversation with Lisa. I want to switch um, gears just for a second and talk about something um, in your new book. When did this come out, Lisa? So it came out, I think it was like August 16th. Okay, I was just looking at it um, and I didn't know when it came out. Um, Tell me, what book number is this for you? You said already, but I can't remember. I I want to say it's 11. Are you kidding? No, but it could be 12. (laughs) 12. (laughs) <laughs> oh, my gosh. Hey, I've been doing this for a long time. That is amazing. Okay, before I tell you what part I was just reading um, recently that I want to jump in with you, tell me where did the, the passion come from within you to write this book, this particular book? So I was finishing up um my book, Girls with Swords.
2: And I had just come back from South Korea, and I was you know, going over edits, which you should not do when you're in jet lag. And right. I fell asleep at my laptop, and I woke up eight pages later of the letter T. Okay. And I was like, okay, you, you're, you're done. Uh-huh. You're done. So I was going to lay down and just take a nap. And I heard the Holy Spirit say to me, I do not love my children equally. And Jamie, it it actually shocked me. I was like, wait, did I bring home a spirit of blasphemy from South Korea? Mm -hmm. Wait, what's going on here? You have to love us all the same. If you didn't love us the same, it's not fair. And I heard him say, same would imply one of you are replaceable. Equal would say that my love could be measured. And he said, I don't love my children equally. I love them uniquely. And I... Love words. Mm. You know, I love to play on the Merriam Webster dictionary games. Uh-huh. I mean, that's ridiculous. I mean, I will match words to their definition. It's all about how fast you can get them. And so God knows He'll speak to each of us in ways that He knows we can hear it. So I jumped up, looked up the word unique, and it said sole representative, prototype, which we all know. But then it said without rival.
1: Mm.
2: And that concept of there is no competition for my place at the table, there is no competition for my place in God's heart, it hit me so hard. And then I began to think about when I had my first son, I was like, oh my gosh, this is the most amazing thing. I want 20. And then when I became pregnant with my second son, I began to panic near the end of the pregnancy because I said, wait a minute, I know I love my first son. Now I'm going to have to cut that love I have in half and share it with this stranger baby that looks scary in a sonogram. <laughs> I don't know how I feel about this. And you know what happens Right. when you have that second child. It's not cut in half. It's not divided. It's multiplied. Mm-hmm. And the things that I love about Addison are completely different than the things I love about Austin. And if somebody asks me or you, I'm sure to quantify our love, to measure it to say is all of this, we would not be able to quantify it. And see, that's how we are as failed, flawed parents. But God has already loved us, has loved us with an everlasting, eternal love. It's a love that always has been and always will be. Whether we make our bed in hell, he's still going to love us. It's never going to change his love for us. And so I was just fascinated with this concept And then I began to unpack how rivalries and comparisons are undermining our God-given identity. Mm. And the truth is, I find out who I am in the presence of God, not in the presence of people. And we have a generation right now which is this is really interesting because you and I, you know, we both have been saved for a while, and we we did not grow up in this you know this age of social media comparison. but we have a generation that knows, they know that God's hand is on their life to do something, but they have absolutely no idea what that is. Mm. And part of that is because they are looking to people to get the things that only the presence of God is going to provide in their life. Mm. So they want people to tell them when God's like, you know, actually, I need you to have a Matthew 16 revelation of who I really am. So I can tell you who you really are. Mm. And then when you know who I really am and who you really are, then we can talk about what you are called to do. Yeah, And, and so it was real important to me to be able to talk about those dynamics and, you know, of that we have a, a identity without rival, a God without rival, a promise without rival, and then unpack the idea of rivalries in our lives and the purpose mm. they serve, and then move into building a life without rival.
1: mm it's so good, and you know, living in this age of so much social media, which again, I always say, it is such a great thing, and it is it can be used for so many wonderful, wonderful things. But one thing that is hard is the idea that we can look at everybody else's life and think that they um, have something that we don't have, or they have something figured out that we don't have figured out. Um, when the reality is that we just see what they put out there. Um, one of the well, parts- you said you said you've been stalking me, so you know see? that I
2: actually put myself out there looking bad. Mm, yeah, mm-hmm. I'm very intentional with that because I I actually feel like it's kind of that rending of our clothing and saying, "Hey, people, this is what it really looks like." And I I remember I posted this chubby picture of me when I was breastfeeding my third son, and so many brand new mothers said, "I don't know why but I started crying when I saw this picture," because <laughs> they were all they were like so happy to know. Wait a minute. You know, this is, you gained 52 pounds with your baby. That's right, awesome. You, you know, like they can't look at me at 56 when I haven't had a baby in 22 years and look at themselves and say, wait, I, I still have baby fat. Of course you do. You're breastfeeding. Right. You know? and so, you know, they need to understand it's seasons. Uh-huh. And I actually think it's really fun
1: to laugh at myself. That's the best. People love people like that because it makes us feel as though we can be ourselves around you. Yeah, I'm ridiculous. Yeah, it's great. Um okay, so this part I was looking at um the book and it is let me find the chapter so I can you can put your brain around it as well. I should have told you before that I was going to go. It's no, chapter it's 8, um Deep Wells and Wishing Wells. Oh yeah. And um the part that I was reading um earlier this week I was about I was on page 190, Women with a Past. Um mm-hmm. and I'm a woman with a past and it sounds like that you are a woman with a past. Mm-hmm. Um and I loved so much the part that you were talking about. Sometimes women, and we'll speak to women here because that's my listener here. Um, women will start to feel as though um, the their their past is kind of prohibiting them from anything in the future, um, and this is a this is a reality for me as someone who um, ministers to women in the jail every week. Every week I go, wow, I mean, and then this is this comes up all the time because there is a real past that is is real unlike me nothing and that consequence I've, yes and consequence nothing yeah. i've done is on a record for everyone to see but everything mm-hmm. not everything but the illegal things that they've done that they have now allegedly in jail for that is on a record for everyone to see and they also they struggle with did god really forgive me for these things that was a conversation i had just yesterday lisa with the woman going because mm-hmm. we talking about forgiveness and she and mm-hmm. she said i ask him to forgive me for the same thing over and over again because i just don't know if he did the first time Yeah, And that feel, I mean, the weight that you carry on your chest when you feel Mm -hmm. as though God cannot forgive you and you have to just keep asking and hopefully maybe he will on the fifth time. I mean, I feel like that is something that holds women back in so many different areas of life. Um, Did you see that in your world when you first started following Jesus? Absolutely. And, you know, here's the thing.
2: Um, God will take every broken failure in our lives. And redeem it. Mm. He will redeem it for his glory, but you have to do that whole process. So here's how it starts. David, adulterer, Mm -hmm. murderer. (laughs) Seriously, think about this. Have you ever had somebody that you've met in that prison who decided to take a census and that many people died? What was it, 25,000 people? Mm. Because if he decided to number the army? Right. I I mean, David made some pretty serious Mm -hmm. mistakes, but here he unpacks for us, cleanse me and I will be clean. Mm -hmm. And I think so many times the enemy says, no, 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 no. What you did is too bad. It was too big. You're too bad. You're, 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 you're a failure. Yeah. David was all of those things. What he did was big. It was bad and he had failed. God's faithfulness. But here's what he did. He threw himself into God, not into his past, not into his ability to punish himself, because I think a lot of times people don't think that God has forgiven them because they haven't forgiven themselves. And so what what he was able to do is cleanse me and I'll be clean. And then he says, then will I teach transgressors your your way. So there is something about taking the mistakes on your life and teaching other people from them. That brings healing. Mm-hmm. Gabriel Roth says when you set people in motion, they heal themselves. And so I often think, actually, you know, thinking about a mentoring program in the prison where you said, okay, let's redeem this, let's flip this around. Mm-hmm. Let's take what was your worst day and make it your best lesson. Mm-hmm. And and so many people when I talk, you know, I, I you know, I try to say to women that if you think because you made a mistake, you are a mistake then you are mistaken. Mm, mm-hmm. And here's the thing, God takes our mistakes. Yes, he of course he wishes that we wouldn't have gone down those paths. Yes, there's consequences, but there's not judgment. Mm. And consequence and judgment are two different things. And so, consequence is just the natural natural thing of sowing and reaping. This is what happens. I throw a vase and it breaks, you know, that's a consequence. Did God forgive me for the outburst? Yes, but is there a vase broken? Yes the vase breaking doesn't mean God didn't forgive me. It just means that I now have a vase to replace Mm -hmm. or I've lost a vase. And so, you know, you have to come to this place where a lot of times the church has preached grace where it needs to preach mercy. Because mercy is when we don't get what we deserve. And grace is when we get a position or an empowerment to walk in the mercy we've received. Mm -hmm. So when we are graced, to do good works that means we're redeemed. You know, I love the woman caught in adultery. So many people they cut it off with go and sin no, you know, go and sin no more. Mm-hmm. But the very next verse says, I am the light of the world. He who walks in me no longer walks in darkness but has the light of life. So what Jesus is saying when he says to us go and sin no more, he's saying I've just empowered you to walk in light. Mm-hmm. You're not going to live in the shadows anymore. And so those shame things, they do hit women. But I also love the dynamic. And again, this might be the Sicilian thing on me, that I really believe that the attacks on our life have more to do with who we might be in the future than who we have been in the past. And that the enemy really doesn't care about our history. He cares about our destiny. And so he will always bring up our past to prevent our future.
0: Mm.
2: And so if women can make that shift, and this is completely ridiculous, but I always talk about Terminator and I always talk about that the enemy is after your future. He's going into your past to prevent your future. And so I think these women in prison, they need to understand that, yeah, they're, they're there right now. But that doesn't mean they're not forgiven. And that doesn't mean they're powerless. And that doesn't mean they can't flip these things around. And, um, you know, so many people don't understand the power of redemption mm. because redemption doesn't mean it goes away. Redemption means your past becomes your teacher and your future becomes your friend.
1: Mm. Yeah. I mean, I, if I look at my own life and I realized that when I became um, like self-aware and I became where I didn't want to stuff down stuff from my past and I didn't want to, I wasn't embarrassed if someone found out about it because I can tell you about my past and I don't even care because Jesus has redeemed it and forgiven me and I'm moving forward. But when I wasn't in there, I wasn't moving forward. I was right. stuck. I was stuck in shame and I was stuck in embarrassment and I was stuck in believing that I was who I used to be. Um, and now I don't believe that anymore. You know, and you
2: feel completely separated from that person.
1: Yes. and, and yeah. But the thing is, for me, I'm learning Lisa as well, is that I used to many years ago when I would talk about what God had redeemed from me, I would always go back to, you know, when I was. 18 or 19 um, And one day God was like Jamie, you know, I'm I'm redeeming you from what you did today as well You know that right like just because you have these big bad scary sins, you know long ago you, You're very selfish And and, and you were very prideful and all of these things And so that was such a moment for me because I was able to say you know what? I'm not gonna live in the shame of the pride that I asked God to forgive me of. I'm going to move forward and I'm gonna I'm gonna work really hard not to not to sit in that anymore um, and that was good for me, too, to realize I can keep moving forward because God is constantly forgiving and constantly redeeming um, all of the crazy things I feel about myself and do in my life, you know?
2: Right. Absolutely. And I mean, I love that you have that revelation. I mean, I, here's the thing that I always love about the woman taking an adultery. It says they went away one by one, the oldest ones first. And I think the older you get, the more you have a revelation that you need mercy
1: Oh my gosh. Right. So that you
2: give it. right. <laughs> more, like I still remember calling my mom and being like, okay, for every time I judged you for your parenting, <laughs> I'm so sorry.
1: It's so true. It's so you know, true.
2: I, yes. I'm, a, I'm about ready to just to run out in the field and scream. Yes. You know?
1: Erin yes. <laughs> and I say that all the time. We're like, one day these kids are going to understand why, <laughs> why I'm losing my mind today, <laughs> because they're going to call me as they have four crazy boys in their home. Mom, I'm so sorry. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but until then, we just keep moving forward. We just keep moving forward. Um, well, thank you for writing this book. And oh, um, thanks. Um, I always take uh, paperbacks that I get. Um, I get a lot of books, like I'm sure that you do too. Um, and I share them with my ladies in the jail. And so um, I know that they're going to enjoy this one hey, as well. We
2: have, we have an outreach for that. If you will connect with us afterwards, we'll we'll send you some. If you can get them in, we'll get them to you. Oh,
1: I can get them in. I would love yeah. to do that. Yeah. I'll do that. That makes me happy. Um, Okay. So super, super happy about all of these things. I love all you're doing. And I want to know real quick before I get to what you're loving and what you're reading is what you were just doing in Iraq.
2: So I was invited to speak in Dubai at a women's conference and uh, church services. And, you know, I had been watching from afar the work of Preemptive Love and Mm -hmm. what they were doing with the Yazidi women and the Syrian refugee situation. And so I reached out to Jeremy Courtney at Preemptive Love and I said, hey, I'm going to be in Dubai. I would just love to come and tell part of your story, what you're doing. I said, I don't have a lot of money, but I have a lot of influence and I'd love to leverage that for what you're doing. Mm -hmm. And so he said, come. So I just flew over there and they just took me on their journey of what they were doing, and I was like a child listening in to languages I didn't understand. As they talked to the Kurdish women, they talked to the Syrian women, as they talked to the Yazidi women, and just hearing what they were doing, and uh, just was so impressed that I just thought, okay. And you know, to be honest with you, I you know I stayed just two days in that dynamic mm-hmm. that this couple has been there for in, for a decade. And what I found was the people, these beautiful refugees, I mean, some, okay, like one of the stories I heard was a family that last year was living in Missoula, making an income of $500,000 a year U.S.,
0: mm-hmm.
2: and now they are living in a container
0: because
2: mm. ISIS came through, drained the banks, blew up their house, and this is where they're at. Mm. And so these people, they're not looking for some kind of refugee handouts, they just want a chance. Mm. And so Preemptive Love was giving different opportunities, whether it be sewing machines or soap making or giving them sheep and chickens, you know, just whatever, to give them back some dignity. Because in a lot of ways, the refugee camps almost become a prison because if people don't have opportunity to get out, mm. they're just staying there. It's not because it's anything evil. It's just you know, they're just trying, people are in survival mode. Right. So, um, they've been very intentional to try to find ways to get people out with opportunities by educating them, you know, interviewing them, finding out what they can do. So I loved being able to tell their story. And I met a little girl who has the same thing I have, which she lost her eye to a tumor when she was young Mm -hmm. and she had artificial eye. Like I lost an eye to a tumor when I was five, And, you know, being able to talk to her, see her story, show her my children, know that she had a hope in a future was Mm -hmm. really a big deal to me, Mm -hmm. you know, again, through a translator. And then I went from this beautiful people, like the Iraqi people, the uh, Yazidi people, like when we walked into their container, when we walked into the house that was a back of a semi, when we walked into their tents or their little... Uh, concrete block houses, they would compel us to eat with them or have tea with them. I went from that Mm. to Dubai. And I called my husband. I I called my husband. He was like, you're having a hard time, aren't you? And I said, oh, John. Mm. I said, the greed, the inhospitality, just people inhospitable. Uh, have so much, not, of course, not the church that was hosting me, you know, but I'm just saying the culture mm-hmm. in Dubai. So I went from these people who had nothing and yet gave their nothing completely sweetened their tea, which, you know, sugar would be very dear to them. Right. And then I come into Dubai where everybody's looking at me like, Oh, you don't have a designer purse. Okay. I'm sorry. I can't look at you. And even though they're in their whole burkas or their head coverings and their scarves, they're making sure they've got their designer things peeking out. And it was just, it was a culture shock. Mm. It really was. And you know, here's the thing. God, God navigates the the length and the breadth of that. And um, he cares about the people in both countries, but it was kind of seeing people their absolute worst poverty out of devastation, not out of laziness.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And then prosperity with personal poverty.
0: Mm.
2: People without an awareness. Right. Uh, hospitality and generosity and yet they had so much
0: Mm.
1: two different worlds you saw in a matter of days Mm -hmm. Mm. well I too have just been seeing what the Courtney's are doing from afar as well so it was it was it was fun for me to see it through your eyes too as you traveled there and so um, I'm going to put a a link up in my show notes for what they're doing and if you have anything else you want to share about them we can add that as well so people can Find out about their ministry.
0: Planning an international trip and want to learn the language of your destination? Then check out the language learning program Rosetta Stone on desktop or as an app. Rosetta Stone is designed to immerse you in the language you're learning. Plus, the true accent feature even gives you feedback on your pronunciation. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for fifty percent off. That's fifty percent off unlimited access to twenty five language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your fifty percent off at. Consumer Cellular, when Freedom calls, we're here to answer. Call us at one one eight 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 Freedom. Half the cost savings based on cost of Consumer Cellular single line five gigabyte data plan with unlimited talk and text compared to lowest cost single line postpaid unlimited talk, text, and data plan offered by T-Mobile and Verizon. May twenty twenty
1: three. Um, okay, Lisa, what are
2: three things you're loving these days? Well, first of all, I'm loving winter. I, I'm so excited that it's cold outside because it makes everybody come in, mm. and I love flannel pajamas, flannel sheets flannel, like everything, soft and focused and family and chili and like chili as in the food. Right. I fed my boys chili two nights in a row. They're like, really? And, you know, hot tea and hot coffee. I I just love it. So I am loving the warmth and the dynamic of family that when you have an outside cold pushes everybody in. I leave for Brazil next week, so I'm having to enjoy it real quick. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to be preaching down in Brazil. I'm going to get up. Shock, like, wait, 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 we're back in summer again. how that happen? Exactly,
1: exactly. <laughs> and I get to come back again. This is the craziness of my life. Um, so you're loving the winter, bring people in. What else are you loving?
2: Um, I'm loving this season. I um not just Christmas season, I'm season of life. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think there's things that you can only reach at a certain level, so of experience. So I love the perspective of a grandmother mm. because I think that. You know, when you're a daughter, you have questions. When you are a mother, you're supposed to have answers, but you're too busy. You're like, seriously, I, I just because I said so. Right. right. <laughs> just, just do it. I, yeah. I don't want to have a long conversation about this. I just uh-huh. need you to do it. Um, but when you're a grandmother, you actually have this aerial view about what's really important and what's not.
0: Mm.
2: And I love having kind of the decompression. Of what's important and what's not. And I am really loving having granddaughters. Mm. You know, Jamie, here's the thing you have a daughter, which is awesome. Yes. I had four sons, and I actually was thanking God every time I birthed a boy because I really did not think I could do a girl. Mm. I had always heard from my mom, I hope you have that bad daughter just like you. And I foolishly would say, I hope I do too. I'll understand her. And then I was like, oh, wait, 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 wait. I became (laughs) a Christian. I was like, no, I actually don't want that. (laughs) And matter of fact, I just want boys. Right. And I remember even being a little afraid when my first granddaughter, Sophia, was born. And then I see in Sophia all of the things that actually I thought were bad about me that weren't bad, Mm. that just my mom and her brokenness didn't know how to navigate. Mm -hmm. And, and it's kind of given me this resurgence. See, you know, I don't know what your Christian background is, but again, having no Christian frame of reference, coming in bad, having people tell me, Hey, listen, you're, you're a woman, which means you were the last to be created first to sin, easily deceived, gullible. Thank you, Mark Driscoll. You know, these kind of things spoken over our lives. You know, I think for, for a little bit, Jamie, I think I let some of those labels linger. Mm-hmm. I don't even know if I let knew that they were lingering, but then I had Sophia. And I was like, you know what? I can't let those labels stay on me because I would tackle somebody if they put any of that on her. So it was kind of a, a closing of the loop. Mm-hmm. I'm loving being a grandmother of granddaughters. Mm. I have loved seeing... Uh, this amazing unpacking of young girls who are being valued in a house and loving God, and their dads love them, and their moms are not, you know, scared of them. It just is, I'm watching my daughter in law doing it, and, and I, I just am loving my. So, uh, Lizzie came over yesterday in a frozen costume and a cheetah bow. And, you know, just is like, gee, mama, G mama, pick me up, pick me up, pick me up. And just, you know, I, I just was like, oh, my gosh, this is just so amazing. I can't even stand it.
1: Oh, that's awesome. That's wonderful. Um, Are you what are you reading these days?
2: So I'm writing right now. So mm-hmm. when I write no, this is pretty hilarious. You're going to laugh when I write. I read children's fiction.
1: Oh, which is I great. Know.
2: Yeah. So when I write, I'm reading the Chronicles of Narnia. I've got like it downloaded on my iPad, all of them mixed together. Mm -hmm. So I just finished Horse and His Boy.
1: Okay. Did you like it? Have you read
2: them before? Oh, you know what? I, yes. Okay. Here's the thing. I've probably read them 20 times.
1: Okay.
2: Uh, For me, it's a brain vacation and a focus. So if I was doing research, then I would read, you know, The Great Divorce Mm -hmm. or The Weight of Glory. But when I want to sleep at night, I'm going to read that um, I'm also researching some of and this is sound really morbid, but um, we were in Armenia this June mm-hmm. and it came crashing down to me that just a hundred years ago, three million Christians were martyred. Mm-hmm. And so I wanted to go back and understand that. And it's um it was really it was really eye-opening for me, Jamie. If you go to a country like Armenia, where Christians have died for their faith, they're very confused about the way America is is unpacking life right now. Mm. They're saying, "Gosh, we used to dream of what one day escaping to the great Christian nation of America and you guys can't even figure out your bathroom situation." Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it was pretty eye-opening for me. And I'm not I'm not being judgmental. I'm just repeating what they're saying and the the license that we have, the freedoms that we have, I just want to make sure we're we're using those things Constructively and honoring of the sacrifices of others. Mm.
1: Yeah, because they're just saying, "Hey, we're just, we're trying to live over here."
2: Yeah, yeah li- we live in the shadow of Mount Arat. and on the other side, there are people that would rather see us dead. Right,
1: terms- right. Oh yeah. well, um, I I always love to hear what people are reading, and I speaking of Chronicles of Narnia, the my favorite one of that whole series is actually um, the one that was written before The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe which which one is that is the magician's nephew oh yeah no i love the magician's nephew mm-hmm. yes yes it's one of my favorites
2: yeah that's the first in the series yes, yes.
1: Mm-hmm. No, my favorite I,
2: favorite favorite it has such so, such insight
1: mm-hmm.
2: especially when narnia is being created yes and the whole the eating of the fruit once makes her despise it later i was like oh my gosh i actually used uh, quite a bit of that when i wrote kiss the girls and made them cry uh-huh talking about our sexual um you know when we when we uh jump the jump the wall of that garden too soon. Yeah. How it changes that lust response versus that love and intimacy response. Mm. So, yeah, I love the Chronicles of Narnia. And again, you know, here's here's a funny story when and I know we're almost out of time, but when I was a little girl, I read the Chronicles of Narnia and wept when I read the last book. My parents had given it to me for mm. Christmas one year, and I sat there and wept because I couldn't figure out how to find Jesus like I could connect who Aslan was. I could mm-hmm. connect with this lion, mm-hmm. but I could not figure out how I was going to find Jesus. And oh. when it said he turned into somebody else, I just I just wept because I wanted him to stay the lion.
1: Mm. And look how God was already preparing your heart. It's crazy. Isn't it crazy? Yes. Oh, I remember we I read some of these with my kids as well. I don't think we ever finished, which I talking talking to you really makes me want to get back in and finish these series with my kids. Uh, but I remember watching one of the movies after we had read the book um, and when Aslan comes in, there's some comment that was made and, and I can't even remember what it was, but it was this triumphant th- moment and I remember looking at this movie um, and just tears coming down my eyes mm-hmm. because I, it was like this visual representation of of the conquering um, of death mm-hmm. and it was just this sweet, sweet moment and I remember thinking, I'm so thankful that my kids are reading this um, and getting this imagery and um, that is so beautiful as to what God's done for us. It was thank you, C.S. Lewis, for writing. Such great stuff, oh, right? <laughs>
2: it's like my favorite. But yeah, and it also keeps us pure. Yeah. I think there's lessons we learn in a childhood that we can it can get muddied in our day-to-day. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a very strong sense of right and wrong in those childhood stories that it just kind of becomes a compass for us. So for me, it's a re and it also keeps me from plagiarizing because I'm not writing children's stories. That's true. So <laughs> yes. I don't have to
1: worry about inadvertently plagiarizing- <laughs> writing someone else's feelings. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, I get it. Exactly. I get it. Uh, well, Lisa, it's been so fun having you on the happy hour. Well, it's been great. I-, I kind of think you should just show up now and we'll do an eggnog latte. Oh, that sounds fabulous. Except for eggnog makes me nervous because doesn't it have raw eggs in it? Well, I I do the coconut milk one. Oh, that's even better. There's
2: like a, a so delicious coconut eggnog, uh, and I just use it as a creamer. I steam it, put that on. Then I do whipped cream and nutmeg, cinnamon, clove, and raw sugar and put it on there. And it's it's really probably a dessert for a thing in the morning. That it's sounds probably amazing. the sugar I'm addicted
0: to. <laughs> right. <Yes. laughs>
1: that sounds really lovely. Um, well, thank you so much. And it's good. I'm, so, I'm just so proud of you for all you're doing and um, with your family. And it's been a joy to see uh, your travels this fall. And so just thank you. Thank you for loving jesus and telling people about him absolutely and i look forward to meeting you in person sometimes next time i'm in austin please do we can have chips and salsa i'll take you to the best place yes yes okay thanks for coming on the happy hour absolutely jamie y'all wasn't that a fun chat with lisa i told you she makes me want to be a grandmother and i still have a lot of years until i'm a grandma she was so kind and her enthusiasm for the lord is so contagious Also, the people at her team were so kind that they sent me a full box of books to give to my ladies at the jail. I'm beyond grateful for her kindness in that way. Guys, I want to thank another partner for today's show, and that is Therefore. Therefore is a teen gathering for high school girls. High school girls all have fears, insecurities, and passions, and Therefore addresses these in a real honest way through great speakers, interactive experiences, and powerful worship. Some of the dynamic speakers that they have lined up for this event are Annie Downs, Amina Brown, Pat Armstrong, and Winter Evans-Pitts. I personally know all of these ladies, and I would trust them with my teenage girls in a heartbeat. This conference is February 17th through 18th, right here in Fort Worth, Texas. Guys, tickets are normally $59, but with the code of Jamie ID, you can get your tickets for $49. Therefore, desires to inspire the next generation of girls to boldly live out their identity in Christ. Guys, today's show is edited by Logan Garza, and the music is from Jason Poe. Next week, my guest is Ann Vogel, who is the popular blog Modern Mrs. Darcy, plus the podcast What Should I Read Next? We chat about a few of our favorite books and podcasts from 2016. Get your pens and papers out because you're going to be getting a lot of book ideas and podcast ideas. Guys, enjoy your week, share the show with a girlfriend, and have a happy hour with a friend. I'll see you next week with Ann.